Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. How's it going, everybody? Fall camp has begun, and we are only a few weeks away from the start of college football. Yeah! Fans and players alike live for this time of year, and every single game matters in terms of conference seating and playoff hopes. The pressure for some of these teams and players to perform can seem almost unbearable at times. And in light of Simone Biles taking a stand for her mental health during the Tokyo Games, we're bringing on former BYU defensive back Brian Logan to discuss how he dealt with the expectations and mental and physical strain that came with playing D1 football. But first, what about the fans' mental health? Because it's a thing. It really is. We're going to talk about some of the crazy things fans do and why sports bring out the worst and best in us as spectators. Joining me now is the one and only Ben Bagley. What's up, Ben? Lauren, get ready to sing with me. It's the most wonderful Wonderful time time of of the year. Yes, it is football season. It is football season. beautiful. I I, I don't sing very often in public, but for you, I I pull it out. But when I do, it's because college It's on Cougar Tailgate. <laughs> That's right. We do lots of strange stuff on this show. I love it. Okay, Ben, it's important for all of us to make our mental health a priority, and I can't imagine the pressure these athletes feel when it's collegiate, professional, or Olympic level. And Tanner Mangum, you know, former mm-hmm. BOU quarterback, he's been very outspoken and a great advocate for mental health and making it okay to talk about it. And I, I was super impressed with Simone Biles, who is a superstar of the Olympics, with unimaginable pressure. I can't even imagine on her from everyone, and I'm sure she put on herself. She decided not to compete because she felt she wasn't in the right mindset. So, Ben, what went through your mind when you first heard about Simone Biles stepping down? It, that's a funny question, and, and not funny haha, but just funny the way that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it, and I don't know that I have an answer. I, um <laughs> It's kind of hard for me. I I grew up in an era where you have certain expectations and stuff like that, and, and I'm not right. saying that it was it was the right way to it's the right mindset to have. It's the way I was raised. It was the way I was brought up. You rub some dirt on it and you walk it off. That was I don't know how many times I heard that in my life, whether it was an injury injury or whatever it was. That's mm-hmm. that's the mindset that I, I I was brought up in. So when Simone Biles pulled out, I thought to myself, kind of the same thing with the tennis thing is like, I've covered athletes for a long time. Part of being an athlete is talking to the media. That's just right. part. That's a part of your job as an athlete. But I understand having been in many conversations with athletes as members of the media, having asked many stupid questions myself <laughs> and tough questions too. I understand the strain that that can put on a person. And so right. I, I'm not, I'm not numb to that. But then, the, then the other side of me, the the lizard brain side of me, is like, get over it. You're an athlete. You're supposed to be this <laughs> elite level performer. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, and so like I, I literally after Simone Biles did this, I had like this internal discussion going on between the lizard brain and the 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 more refined <laughs> brain of Ben Bagley of hey, what is the right answer here? And I don't know that I ever came up with it. But the one thing that I did come to a conclusion with on it, Lauren, is Simone Biles is what she's twenty three, right? Or right, right, twenty four. Twenty four. She's been in the spotlight for probably ten years of her life, mm-hmm. and an intense spotlight, an intense pressure. And then I thought you add on top of that some of the abuse that she survived, both mentally and uh, otherwise. I am surprised she's made it to the point she has without just a complete and utter breakdown. 
Absolutely. And it's not just her. It's all all the athletes we have expectations and spotlights on. And I feel bad for them. And I and I do worry about their mental health and what, what well-being. Even though part of me is just like, you're an elite athlete because mm-hmm. you overcome these obstacles. So right. I, st- I still have that tug of war back and forth. But I, I lean heavily, heavily the way of, hey, whatever's good for you, you do what's good for you, even if that means yes. taking a step back. But you do have to keep in mind that every time you're put in that position, and as an athlete, you're put in a position to get the spotlight but also get the money that comes along with it. Every decision you make is going to have consequences. And, and if that decision is not to talk to the media, that's going to con- cost you sponsorships and other things. So right. so it, there, there's a back and forth there and a tug of war. I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what the wrong answer is. But I do, well, actually, I do know what the wrong answer is. The wrong answer is we don't care about their mental health. They're athletes. <laughs> Go entertain us. I, I love your honesty. And, and honestly, I probably felt a little similar when I first heard about it. I think a lot of people kind of immediately jump on the train like, good for you, you know, just because that's what you're supposed to do, quote unquote. I, I felt a little similar to you, except when I when you really think about it, I, I – in the in light of Simone Biles, she was started in gymnastics when she was this little little girl by her parents, right? And she just happened to be very very good at it, and so they kept her in it. And I'm, and I'm not blaming her parents either. I'm just saying these these kids are young and they started in this as young, and they really don't know. Sometimes I feel like what all is to come, if that makes sense, Ben. So I actually love that more and more athletes are speaking out, getting help and taking care of themselves, don't you think? On that note, by the way, I'm happy that not just athletes, but we as a society have become more comfortable in speaking out and saying, hey, we need to take care of our mental health too. That's important. It's okay to say, I need help. And it's even better that it, when you put that hand out and say, I'm here to help you. I'm here to listen. What can I do to help you? Because that, that's one thing that, I mean, regardless of Simone Bile and everything else aside, that's one thing that I think as a society we've progressed to, which is a brilliant, brilliant move as, as a whole, that we're more willing to be more understanding, uh, more willing to listen, and more willing to extend a hand of help. People out there, please, if you need help, go get it. Talk to somebody, somebody. There's someone there who wants to listen and wants to help you. Hit me up on Twitter, at Ben Bags, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm I, serious. Like, like I want to be there to help these people. I, what, what, if it's just listening, I can do that. Right. I agree with you. Athlete or not, it, it's a great thing to take care of your mental health, and, and that's a, a great trend that has been moving forward in the last few years. So we're bringing on Brian Logan later to talk about those pressures, but I think you and I need to talk about a different type of mental health, Ben, and that's that of the fans because sports are not sports without fans. I'm not going to name names, but I have a close relation that just about loses her mind when their team is losing so much so that she had a self-intervention and can no longer watch BYU football or basketball <laughs> anymore. And she just asked, so she just asked the results when the games are over. That's how she has to deal with it. And we're all better for it, Ben. We really are. Um, ben, so do you know any Uber fans that could use a mental health intervention? Yes, too many of them. <laughs> and, and, I know where to start, right? <laughs> well, do we want to start, you want to start at the A's or the Z's? So we can go for <laughs> It's it's funny because it, taking that transition from a serious we're talking about serious mental health to kind of a little bit lighthearted with the fans. Yes, Lauren, you you know me 
I, I've been in this business for 20 plus years, and in a way, it's kind of killed my fandom. Um, and, and serious, like I don't, I've, I don't get worked up over games anymore. Occasionally, I do, and it's always a Raider game. That's the only team that I've allowed myself to remain <laughs> a, a fan, and it's frustrating, and it's 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 an exercise in idiocy, I think. But, but I was going to say. <laughs> Patience, but it's just you do the same thing again and again. You're just an idiot. Uh, but but there's there's a lot to go that goes into that. But to see people and we work with people, I, I live around people in the same house as people who are super fans, and they live and die by every shot. I always make fun of my wife and my mother in law watching Utah Jazz games because every time the ball doesn't go, in, that's a foul, ref. I'm real, was it? That guy fouled him, or he wouldn't have missed a shot. Uh, you might want to double think. Like, sorry, sorry, by the way, honey and uh, mom, love you both very much. Uh, it, it just, it, it's crazy having to go to sporting events, looking at people around, covering, and I'm just like, these people need help. Help. Yes. I might need help. <laughs> I mean, just, and, and I need help. I absolutely do. And I'm I glad you mentioned earlier that this we took it from obviously a serious tone to more lighthearted. But we are we all we're all there. We've all been there. And I get there, but I, I'm becoming more self-aware, which is a great step in uh, mental health, uh, as a fan. So, so Ben, I came up with a few different types of fans that I feel need some help. All right. And you need, I want you to add to this list. Number one, fans that streak across the field be just because, you know, they, most of these fans, and maybe some would do that otherwise, you know, maybe that's just who these people are, but a fan that would streak across the field uh, to me needs some help. What are your thoughts? One, they need more than help. <laughs> they need just to be put put in a cage. <laughs> I, I got. I look. Whether it's a streaking or rushing the field, and this makes me unpopular, by the way, in a lot of circles. Uh, longer. You're putting those in the same category: streaking across the field and rushing the field. You don't belong on the field. That's not your place wow. to go. Wow. I, I've I've been on too many fields where fans rush the field. And at the end of a game, it's probably not the best where at least half the people on the field are the, not in the best emotional state. I am surprised every time that more and more stuff doesn't happen. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's just not a fun place to be. Well, as a sideline, former sideline reporter, I have gotten taken out a few times. Yes. Fans rushing the field. There's people working there, people. Yes. No, and that is. I'm like, do you not? Yeah, they just lose all sense of. I don't even know. I don't know. I, I want to punch him in the face. So obviously I need help as well. But yes, I do agree with that. Fans do lose their mind when they're rushing the field. But streaking across the field is definitely on its own level. All right, number two, worshiping teenagers as a grown adult. <laughs> we've seen it, Ben. We've seen it over and over again. I, I see. And, and it makes sense, right? Like you, you, especially these people that live out of state, they get to watch BYU football or basketball, whatever it is. And they're just huge fans, and then they get to meet these these guys, and they just go crazy. And then if you'd really take a step back, and I have done this, where I have met you know somebody that I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. And but when you take a step back, you're like, no, this kid's like 19. <laughs> it's a little strange, don't you think? When you think about it, it is strange. <laughs> we and and we all do it. It's it's hero worship. Yes. Well, it, it, yes. We and frankly. Tying this topic back to our original topic with, with mental health of athletes, it's what leads to that because yeah. we we, do, we don't treat them as people. We treat them as objects because they're heroes. They're on our posters. They're on our shirts, and we buy their shoes. And that's not the teenagers necessarily, but right. the, the, that well, same some. thing. We objectify them in a way. 
No, absolutely. I know. I, I, I can't even imagine the pressure. And, and just because they are really good at a sport, oftentimes, you know, it's just kind of crazy. All right, number three, <laughs> throwing themselves in front of people or down bleachers in order to catch a baseball. Think about that at <laughs> baseball games, what fans do to catch like a foul ball. I, it is bonkers. I love the Sports Center highlights where they just <laughs> mock that guy. And it's always a guy. I'm sorry, man, but we're the dumb ones <laughs> who runs over or, or, or steals a foul ball from a little child and then celebrates. And everybody <laughs> in the stands sitting around are like, are you serious, dude? And the sports center anchors are making fun of him. And it's almost every night on sports. There's always that guy out there either takes out the kid or jumps in front of the kid and, and gets that foul ball. Like, yeah, I'm the man. And, you, and then you just – some of them also realize how stupid they are and give the ball to the kid. Other guys just like, no, it's mine. I, I am the conqueror. I won that ball. It is my trophy. <laughs> It's not worth it, peeps. <laughs> this little five-year-old crying right next to him. I know it's it's insane when you know these guys go home and they're like, "That was really stupid. Why is this ball cool? It's not." Ben, thank you. That was a great discussion. And, and up next, it's going to be an even better one because you know Velo's coming on. He's going to join us to talk about the importance of mental health in athletes and what he experienced while playing at BYU. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. More and more athletes are speaking out about their struggles with mental health and the, and the pressure that comes from playing sports at a high level. And to have that discussion with us is a man who experienced all that pressure firsthand, former BYU defensive back and standout Brian Logan. Thanks for coming on with me, B-Lo. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate you um, you know, reaching out and um, thinking about me. And I, I miss talking to you. I've been, you know, we haven't talked in a in a long time, so I appreciate the, uh, the time and, and our opportunity to catch up. Absolutely. I've missed you, too. We we, uh, we had some good times back in the day. Today, today we're talking about uh, Simone Biles and how she's making headlines for putting her mental health and physical health first after she decided not to compete in a portion of the Olympics because she didn't feel ready. So, Brian, what were your first thoughts when you heard about her uh, stepping down from, from that competition? You know, when I first heard of it, uh, I, I really didn't think anything of it. I, I, I kind of said, "Good for her." Like I said, "Oh, good, for, good for, good for her, good for you." And it was more of like a kind of like an athlete to athlete type of an, a nod, just because I, I know, you know, if, if you're if you're not ready for a game or a situation, and you have the opportunity to pull out, um, you know, definitely definitely take advantage. But then when I started seeing some of the comments and, and everybody you know, kind of fans and, and just, I don't know, just the, the, the community, culture, whatever you want to say it, you know, started to say negative things like, oh, my gosh, why, how could she do this to her teammates? This is the Olympics, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I kind of got a little bit upset um, and and more so not because I'm an athlete, right, and, and I can relate to her, but just from a human standpoint, right, uh, regardless of, know what we do um you know our, our day-to-day work uh at the end of the day we're still all people and humans and for, for people to you know not really um see that and, and understand that kind of bugged me a, a lot and i think that just shows how much athletes are put on a pedestal um you know it shows how much is expected of us and um 
with with that with those two things being said, it's hard for us to be human, right? <laughs> so we can't do anything yeah. wrong. We can't have any mental issues. We can't have any struggles. We we essentially have to be to be perfect. And I think um, I think you're starting to to kind of see that a little bit more. Uh, transparency on both sides, right, from the athletes and from the fans. And Brian, I love that because I think it's a healthier mindset for athletes in, in, in the way, because Lauren and I were talking about this earlier. I mean, you, I know you went through this as an athlete at a much higher level than I did as a, a stake all-star in ward basketball. But, <laughs> but, but, I mean, we talk about us putting athletes on a pedestal. Athletes put themselves on a pedestal. And I know you played many games with broken bones or pulled ligaments or something, but you, you think, I, I, I'm good enough, I can still do this, and I don't want to let my team down. It's nice where athletes are getting to the point where they're, they can self-assess, and this I'm talking about physical injuries here, but we don't have no, we've got no clue about the mental in- injuries these guys are going through, these, uh, these athletes are going through, and the opportunity we're now seeing that athletes are mature enough to say, I need help, and right now I'm not at my best, I'm comfortable enough to say my team's got this. And I'm able to take a step back. Now, I, I don't li- I didn't like the backlash either, but it's nice to see athletes getting to that point where they feel comfortable in doing that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think the biggest thing that you said there was the, the self assessment, and it's it's something that I've learned recently. Um, you know, I've I've gone through a lot of mental um, struggles. Uh, just with my divorce, you know, the last couple of years, and what I've what I've learned to do was was self regulate my emotions, and I, th- I think, you know, us as as just individuals, how we grow up, we're never really taught that, right? We're never really taught how to self regulate. Meaning, you know, what's the process when I feel an emotion? Um, is it okay for me to feel this emotion? What should I do about it? How do I let let the that emotion go through my body? Um, and how do I, you know, ultimately deal with it? Um, we're kind of, we're kind of taught that a little bit for our kids, right? We just, we just have our parents yell at us and say, stop crying or stop doing this, stop doing that. <laughs> and, you know, with, with athletes, I think it's, it's much harder because the majority of our assessments come from our coaches. And so we, we are, we're really, until we're done playing, we're never really uh, become mindful and, and have the awareness to do certain things on, on our own. And, and so I, I, my, my hope is that, and I think what, what every uh, athlete needs to do, especially at a high level, um, is to, to learn how to regulate their emotions um, so that it doesn't go deeper into mental health issues, right? So, so I believe that there are, you have your physical health, you have your mental health, and then you have your emotional health. And mental health is, is in my perspective, is where the, the biology and the science, the chemistry is, is off, Right. And, but I also believe that emotional health, um, if, if not dealt with accordingly, can, can then lead to some of the, the, the mental health issues. So um, for, for athletes to be able to assess that themselves and say, you know what, if I, if I don't do good, perform, perform good today, what's going to happen? <laughs> Is the world going to end? Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, am, I, am my scholarship going to be taken away? Nope. Um, yeah, we're, we lose and it sucks, but what's going to happen the next night, right? Like life continues to go on and, and having that process and that framework, um, you know, with me, uh, from, from being divorced has, has really helped out. And I wish I would have had that, you know, playing, 
um, because you end up putting so much pressure on yourself. You don't go through that framework and that process to where ultimately it's, it's, it's not going to, um, well, it's going to transfer over on the field um, in a way where you're not productive and, and you're really not benefiting the team. And honestly, I feel like that's why it's so great that things like therapy and, and sports psychologists are becoming more and more common because, like you said, you, you feel like you didn't have that during your playing days. And I feel like it's uh, it's becoming more prevalent, which is important. And below each, each level comes with a different pressure, like high school and even below that, there's some pressure that are put on these little kids. But for those of us who haven't played sports at that high of a level, tell us a little bit about what that pressure to perform is like. Here's a, here's a quick story. Um, this was going into my senior year, so 2010, spring ball. I, I can't remember the details. I had a lot of stuff going on. I think finals, some stuff back home. I think I had some issues with a couple of girlfriends. Oh, that's, that sounds bad. But <laughs> some issues with a couple of girlfriends a couple? here. Right? <laughs> no judgment. No judge I, I had some issues with a couple of girlfriends, and you know, we were just starting spring ball, and I was like, I can't do this. And I, and I remember, I think this was just like going to the second week. I remember I missed two days and I, and I had talked to, to coach Hill, which was the, the defensive coordinator at the time and, and Bronco. And I was like, look, I need some time. Like I, I can't, I can't focus. Like I can't even think straight. I remember coming back um, into the building and I saw Bronco and he said, all right, so how are things going? I was like, oh, they're, they're good, which was a lie. And he said, no, they're not. So he turned me around. We went to his office. We talked a little bit. And then um, he scheduled me with, with Craig Manning, and, um, which, which was, you know, sports psychiatrist. And, man, that really – that changed everything for me. I mean, I was I, – after two sessions with him, I was back. Um, like, I, I felt completely brand new. And a lot of it really was, you know, undealt with emotions, which led to anxiety, right? So it's a lot of fear, that a lot of pressure. Like, oh, it's my senior year. Oh, my gosh. So all that pressure, um, you know, built up, um, that led to the anxiety. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't do this. I can't play. So, you know, uh, Craig, Craig Manning, he helped me out, uh, kind of put things in, into perspective. And um, I think coaches need to be more open in saying, look, these, you have to have mental health, you have to have emotional health, and you have to have your physical health. If you don't have these three, three things, you know, uh, you know together, you're not going to perform well. And I think that automatically would remove a lot of the shame that uh, athletes feel when it comes to like, hey, you know, to, to speaking up and to saying something. How, do, how does that also relate? You talk about the, what coaches need to have more understanding and, and see see deeper than just the physical pain. What about, what about fans and media? I mean, a lot of – I always think it's weird that having done this job for 20 years – you lose a close game, you get the 10 to 15-minute cool-down period, then you got to go answer questions from a bunch of dumb reporters like myself who think they know what they're talking about. <laughs> or, or, or as you're walking off the field, fans like, oh, you suck! Ah! Like, like I, I understand People that the don't passion. even know you. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't know you. They don't know what you've been, been through. You don't, they don't know anything about it, but they're, they're, they're willing to give you their th- two cents right away. Like, like the, it's not just a coach's standpoint of understanding, but maybe fans and media as well. And because I think that would help. I, I think that would help a lot for these athletes. I think that would actually be the number one solution, really, would be the fans. And why it shouldn't be, um, obviously, it's because us as players, we, we can't, you know, we, we can't really focus on anything external, right? 
we, we can't, we have to try to block out the noise. Um, and, and the first thing that all the DBs said when I came on, they're like, don't, what, don't read any articles in the newspaper. And they said, at this level, things can get really, you know, things can get bad. And that can, you know, hurt your, your mental side of the game when you have fans saying this and saying that, oh, and then they said, you know, Cougar board, um, you know, of course, um, get, stay off Cougar board. Um, but, but I think as, as players nowadays, it's, it's 10 times worse because there's so many social media platforms mm. and people are responding with comments. And, and so um, I, I do believe that would, that would be the number one solution. Obviously we can't control that. And so what has to happen is, is for the player to, um, you know, well, I'll pause and take a step back because what I don't like at all is is when somebody's going through mental health issues and they're on, let's say they're on Google, right? And and they're looking for ways to overcome it because, you know, the 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 association with mental health, um, it's, it's negative. So I don't want to talk to my family. I don't want to talk to my teammates. I'm just going to try to do this on my own. A lot of the stuff that you see out there is is just feel good like oh just be just be more positive like just just go you know don't think about that well it's kind of hard for me as a player to not think about it. it's hard to be positive when it's in my face right right i can do certain things physically like turn off twitter get off social media things like that but at the end of the day i can't turn off my emotions and so in order to to to, to really overcome you know what the media and fans are, are saying about you um, you have to you have to have a framework and a process to regulate your emotions. So when you hear something, when you read something, you can say, "Huh, well that fan thinks I suck." Well, I have ten million other fans that love me. So this one fan, it's okay if he doesn't. And then literally, you know, when you go through that process, you're you're just done. You're not thinking about that anymore. It doesn't fester. It doesn't stay. You know, you know, within your body physically. I, and I, I know I sound like a broken record, but being able to to regulate your emotions is the best way that you can, you know, stop the chatter internally and, and also externally. Brian, this has been some amazing stuff. I've loved it. It's a good reminder to all of us media members and fans alike to remember that athletes are human beings and they can see what you put on the internet, unfortunately. So Brian, thank you so much for coming on with us and taking the time, my friend. Yep, No problem. Anytime. Anytime. Let's uh, let's catch up soon. And uh, Ben said he'll buy both of us lunch. So um, <laughs> yes, whenever you guys are ready, <laughs> whenever you guys are ready, Thanks. I'm ready. And then and then and then also, um, you know, Ben said that he would uh, send the invoice to Jerem. So Jerem's going to pay for it, basically. <laughs> That's wow, accurate. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> All right, guys. And that Appreciate does it for guys. us today. Thanks again to Ben Bagley and Brian Logan for coming on the show with me. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. This is Cougar Tailgate.